Pentecost must have been some kind of experience. When you think about what happened and the things that went on that day and that event and all that was going on, and what really happens, what really changes the aspect of what's going on is the reality of what, how the people themselves were changed. What a difference it made in their lives that they had this encounter with the Holy Spirit of the living God. What a difference it made in who they were and how they lived and what they did from that point on and the things that were going and being a part of that time. And among those we know was Peter. And we all remember Peter. We know he was kind of the guy that some of us like to identify with because we've had our foot in our mouth more than it's been anywhere else. And we understand that idea of making mistakes, of saying things we can't live up to, being bold when we're not quite as bold as we think maybe we ought to be and different kinds of things that go on. Hopefully we don't know the horror of the, of the rejection, of, of the just being unwilling to identify with Christ in those moments before the crucifixion. But Peter was a changed man before then, obviously, but certainly after Pentecost. And he writes to us in the book of 1 Peter some very astounding words, some very challenging words, some words that we need to hear in this day and time already been mentioned, all the struggles and the horror of our world, the shootings, all the kinds of things. We live in a dark, dark world. And we need people who call themselves not, well, that's not right, who are Christians to live like it. To be the people that we're called to be. And that's what Peter, that's what happened to Peter when the Holy Spirit came upon him and, and he began to boldly preach and to live out his faith and eventually die for his faith as he would look at it Things changed because of the indwelling spirit in his life and changed what he could do and was willing to do and the power in which he lived out his faith and that which was going on being part of. He didn't become perfect by any means. We can still turn to times in his life when he did some things that were displeasing to God, but he, he moved forward in his faith. He was used in the power of God. And in these letters, he sits and he illustrates to us, teaches us what it means to be a people of God under the power and the influence of the Spirit of the living God. And I want to read out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. And I'm also going to add, it's not on the screen, but out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, but, and 3. But let's begin here in 1 Peter. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. And just listen. Remembering who he was. Remembering where God is directing him and taking him in his growth in faith. And he's teaching now us, brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy even as I am holy. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says in chapter 12 in the first three verses, Therefore, since we have a so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about this Sunday of Pentecost and the significance that it holds throughout history because of what happened in those moments long ago, when gathered in the upper room, the followers of our Savior waited. As they had been commanded, they waited. I'm not sure how much they understood about that which they were waiting for. They had been told the Holy Spirit would come, but what would that mean? How, how would that affect them? What difference would it make in their living? And then that moment came when the promise was fulfilled and you poured out your spirit upon them and everything changed. And the scripture tells us as we begin to continue to read from that point on, that because of their faith, because of, of the indwelling spirit, because of the power that became theirs by you dwelling in them and living your life out through them, the world was turned upside down. Things changed, never to be again like they were before. God, that happens to each of us when we truly come to know you as Lord and Savior of our life. For in that very moment, in that instant, the spirit of the living God comes upon us and dwells within us. Never to leave, never to depart, but to fill us with the personage of God in our lives and the power that is accessible to us through you. So, Father, as we seek to be the people of God, as we seek to understand what it means to live out our faith and, and to make a difference in the world that we live in, let us take to heart these brief words that Peter gave us and the author of Hebrews gave us that we need to let ourselves consider who we are whose we are. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, this passage is, is such a powerful passage as we look at it. It's, it's, it starts off with that word, therefore, and again, it's based upon then that which has been said preceding it, that which has gone on before. And, and in that which has gone on before, Peter has poured out his awareness, his, his awe-inspired heart of knowing how great God is. Look what God has done as he's poured out his blessed hope upon us. He, he's brought us into salvation. He's given us life. And he goes on and on about those things. He even talks about all the power that has been exhibited in the things that are ours in Christ Jesus. And, and because of what God has done in Christ, and because of the power of the Spirit of God living in us, he says there's some things that we ought to do. He said, therefore, based upon what God is doing in your life, fix yourselves, your faith, upon the coming of Christ, upon the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and that word fix is a word that means to set firmly. It, it means to have a solid foundation that we are not trying to live out our faith based upon something that we've built or upon something that we hold by our strength or by our power, but that we are standing upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, a solid foundation that cannot be moved, it cannot be affected, it cannot be changed in any way. Nothing can affect the foundation of the Lord God and all that's His. And that's where we're to put our faith, our life is upon the Lord Jesus Christ, to fix it there so that we have that solid understanding of all that's going on and being a part of having that, that firm and solid foundation of the grace of God that was given to us, initiated before time began, lived out in history through the birth, life, death, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and anticipated in the coming of Christ again for his church and all that's going on 
And so two things stand out in this that, that I want to mention this morning as we look at it and just take a few things. First of all, I think we can see a consecrated effort or a conscientious effort, a, a, a deliberate desire to be the people of God. It doesn't just happen. You know, a lot of us like to think, you know, I got saved, I trusted Christ as my personal Savior, and now all I got to do is sit back and everything's going to be fine. Life's going to be good, life's going to be the way I want it to be, and my life just naturally going to flow, and I'm going to be the best Christian anybody ever saw because Christ lives in me, and it's just going to be natural. It doesn't happen that way. I wish it did, but it doesn't. We have to make a conscientious effort, a deliberate effort, to be the people of God that God has called us to be. We have to work at it. We have to work at yielding ourselves first and foremost to the Holy Spirit to let Him be in charge, let Him be in control. Because, see, none of us like to be out of control. None of us want to let God be in charge of our life or anybody else as far as that goes. We don't like being told what to do. We want to be in charge of everything that we do and the way that we do it and the timing of when we do it and all the things that are going on. And so we have to make an effort. We have to say And so he says to us to gird up the loins of your mind. It's that picture of when back in those days when they would wear the long robes and when they would need to run somewhere or when they'd get ready for battle or whatever. They'd pick up the tails of those robes and they'd tuck it into the belt around them so that it didn't hinder their legs as they could run and remove and do the things that were there. And he's saying to us that we need to prepare ourselves we need to deliberately get our minds in action we need to make the choice that we are going to be ready for whatever comes our way to be faithful to the things of God and to live out the faith that God has given to us as we look at it and be a part it's a it's a deliberate action to go and be a part of it that's what that's what the writer of Hebrews said that we lay aside everything we get any rid of anything that would encumber us Keep us from being the people God's called us to be. Keep us from entering into the race that God's called us to enter into and to give it all up in order that we might be prepared to be the people God's called us to be. Folks, this world desperately needs you and me to be Christians. They desperately need a light in the midst of the darkness. And and most of us are willing, unfortunately, just to sit back content with the way things are, satisfied with being what we're always being, doing what we're always doing, and not stepping forth into the battle and being ready to be what God has called us to be as a people of God. And we've got to change that mindset. We've got to change that idea in our lives as we look at it, as we understand that. We cannot confuse the order, though. Okay, you see, it's not that we... Do all these things so that God approves of us. But we do them because God has already loved us. Already given himself to us. See, if we get the order messed up, we get messed up. If we start doing things thinking that God owes me, you know, I'm really good. I do all these things for God and we begin trying to live up to these measurements and we, we say, I do this and I do that. I go to church and, and I, I tithe and, and I even sometimes share Christ and I might even lead in a public prayer or, or do this or do that. I'm doing all these things for God and before long what we're doing is making ourselves just like the Pharisees and the scribes, patting ourselves on the back and saying, oh, what good people we are. Man, aren't we great Christians? Look at all the things that we do for God. That's messed up order, folks. What we do for God, we do because of all He did for us. We do it because He loved us first. 
We do it because He gave Himself completely and fully. And if we get it messed up, we live in a sense of self-righteousness and we fail to be the people of God that He's called us to be and we find ourselves not making an impact upon our society, not making a difference in people's lives, not producing hope when there is no hope, not helping light break through the darkness, but rather finding ourselves as being instigators of the darkness because we're pointing people to religion and religion can never do anything except lead into more and more darkness. It's not what God is all about. It's not about what God has called us to do. He's saying that we are to be prepared. We are to live, but we live with the understanding that we're doing this out of an amazing sense of love for God because of what He's done for us. We go to church not to impress one another. We go to church not to fulfill some kind of obligation. We go to church not in order that, that we can just go through the motions of saying that we've been there and done this and try to say to the world that we're... If we're really here for the reason that we ought to be here, we came here today because we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And more than anything else, I want to meet with Him today. I want to worship Him. I want to experience what He has prepared for me today. I want to know Him. And if we're here for any other reason, we're going to leave hopeless and without any idea. Nothing's going to be changed. Nothing's going to be different in our lives. We're going to be just like we've always been because we didn't come to meet with God. We came to impress somebody else. See, we've got to do it out of a heart of love. We've got to do it because God means something to us because of what He's done for us, how He overpowered us and overwhelmed us in His grace and all that He is and all that He's about and the things that are going on. And so we have to be sober-minded, He says. That, that means that that we get our minds set upon God, that we're in control of our minds. The Bible says to us, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible says to us in Romans chapter 12 that we are to not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to make a decision to bring every thought of our minds into captivity into the work of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can serve Him the way that we ought to, so that we can be the people of God that He's called us to be, that we can be the transformed people that we are in Christ Jesus and all the things that are going on. We have to be able to do that. We, we tend to let ourselves lose the wonder and the awe of God. And just take Him for granted. We let ourselves get anesthetized by life. And life becomes just that lulling to sleep of going through the motions of what we do all the time. Because we lose sight that the God, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and everything that is became this God who is over all things and above all things and beyond all things, this God is, that is so unknowable and beyond our imagination and our ability has made himself knowable to us in Jesus Christ that we might be able to see and understand that God so loved us that he gave himself to us in the fullness of his son, Jesus Christ, and he so desires for us to have life that he said, I've come that you might have life, but not just that you have life as it is for everyone, but rather that you have it in its abundance, in its fullness, in in the reality of all that I've prepared for you. I've come for you to experience it. And we need to get beyond this letting ourselves become lured to sleep by the world and just falling prey to just being satisfied with being like the world because, folks, we're not, or at least we shouldn't be. We cannot be. We must not be like the world. We've been changed. We were like that at one time, but we can't be anymore. 
We've been changed. We've been made different. And we've got to make that true as we look at it. And so we have to make this deliberate action. I will not. I'm determined to let my life be controlled by the Spirit of the living God. I'm determined to not let the world influence my thinking, to not let the world determine my actions, to not let myself fall back into the dark patterns of my former life, is what he said, but rather to let my life be conformed and taught and controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. I want to be different. Because God so changed me and made me his own as we look and as we understand the things that are there, being a part of it. But we also have to have a consecrated lifestyle. I've already said it, but we're called to live like our Father, like Christ, our Savior. We're to imitate him. The book of Ephesians says, be imitators. Christ. We're to be like our Father. You know, all of us are aware, and some of us not necessarily in a proud way, but we're all aware that sometimes either our children are compared to us, somebody says, well, you're just like your dad. Or I see your mom in, in everything you do. And maybe we grew up saying, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to be like my dad. And the next thing we know, we're looking in the mirror and we can't tell the difference anymore. That's what he's saying. We're to be so like Christ. We're to be so living our lives in such a way of imitating Christ that we have a consecrated life, that, that we have determined that even as he said, be holy even as I am holy, we recognize what that means. It means that you and I have been set apart by God for God. We haven't been set apart for the world. We haven't been set apart even for the church. We've been set apart for God. He set us apart in Christ Jesus as his own to bring holiness and to live a holy life, to bring glory and honor to him in all that we do. We are sanctified vessels. We are people who have been put aside in the holiness of God to live a holy life. Now, how do we do that? Because we're certainly not holy in and of ourselves. We do it by the Holy Spirit. Yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's transforming us. He's changing us. He's producing the fruit of God's Spirit within us. He's changing our character, the way that we think, the way that we act. And He's helping us to become formed not to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind to be like Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to be. That's the effort that you and I are called to make and to do in our lives. That We need to determine every day of our life that this day I want to live in such a way that I bring glory to God, that my life is a reflection of my Father, and that people can see God in me. It's really not important for any person in this world to know you or remember you. Even as much as it means to us and feels good, it's not what's important. What's important is that they know your Savior, Jesus Christ. And are you and I living in such a way that they see Christ? That they see the image of our Father's eyes in our eyes. That we're becoming more and more and more like our Father. That's what ought to be our goal. That ought to be the direction of our hearts and our idea. Is that every day I want to be a little more like my Father in heaven. I want to grow more like he wants me to grow. I want to be more. We're not going to ever reach that place of perfection. We're not going to all be, be at that place until we stand with him in heaven one day. 
And some of us are going to fall more often than others of us fall, and we're going to make more mistakes than others make. But the goal, the desire of our heart, the purpose of our living is that we've come to an understanding that I want to be like my Father. I want to live my life in such a way that people can see the work of God in the world in which we're in. I want to be that light that shatters the darkness every place I go. I want to be that person that people see and understand that kindness can prevail. I want people to know that there's peace that can be a part of our lives, that joy can be overwhelming. I want people to see the characteristics of my Savior by the way that I live and by the way that I speak and by the way that I act and all the things that I do and the way that I treat people. I want to be like my Father. That's why. Peter was saying that you and I by the power of the living spirit of God are to be a people who have determined in our hearts to be like God not in our strength not because we can do it but by the power of the spirit of the living God in us and through us you and I can make all the effort we want to to be like God and we'll fall flat on our face every single day but when we yield to the work of the Spirit, God can do amazing things in our life. What's this little child seeing in the back of the room? Anybody she knows? She's wanting, she's giving her attention. She sees someone. That's what God wants. That's all God wants. He wants us to see him for who he is and want more than anything else to be with him and to be like him and to walk with him. That's all it is. That's the Christian life is just being in love with our father. And wanting to give our hearts and our lives to Him in the fullness of all that we are. Consecrated to Him. Yielded to Him in everything that we can be. In everything that we can do. See, holiness is not ours. It's God's. But it's His gift to us as He calls us out of the world in which we were. And He sets us apart, sanctifies us, justifies us, and makes us His own for Himself. So that we can honor him and serve him and love him as he loves us. See, the Bible makes it very clear. We love him because he first loved us. We don't love him because of who we are and anything that we've done. We love him because he has poured out his love upon us in Christ Jesus and we are overwhelmed with the grace of God and the amazing work of God that he could love someone like me and call me his own and say, I want you to be so represented to me. I make you my very child. I give you the authority, the power to be the very child of God and I want you to grow up in your father's image and in your father's ways and so live your life in such a way that every day you're trying to be a little bit more like your father. So that people see God. And people see Christ. And the hope that they have before them. And the motivation of that, the strength of that holiness is not only that we are holy because of what God has done for us and the power that he gives us the indwelling spirit, but it's motivated also by the hope that we have, Peter says, by the hope that we have in the sure coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We know He's coming. We know He's returning. And because we know that Jesus Christ is coming again, it ought to motivate us to live rightly today so that when He does come, we're not ashamed of the way that we've been living and the actions that we've been taking and the things that we've been doing, but rather that we are able to be ready for Him and come because that's part of what motivates us to live rightly. Jesus is coming again, folks. And we don't need to be those like the scoffers that say, well, he's been, you've been, the church has been saying that for thousands of years and nothing's happened yet. And so that's what happens when we let the world affect our thinking. We need to live every day in the awareness. I have a certain knowledge. I have a sure hope. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's no question whatsoever, Jesus Christ is coming again to take me to a place that he has prepared for me and I shall be with him forever and ever in all of eternity in that place that he's prepared. I know that to be true in the experience of my heart, in my life, in the word of the living God and the voice of Christ in the resurrection that he came about in his life. And that's how to motivate our lives to live daily under the influence of the holiness of God and the recognition I I need to be living in such a way that my life reflects my hope is certain in the coming of Christ. And that's a motivation for who we are and for what we're about to be. Peter just simply says, folks, make up your mind. Make up your mind. If you really know Christ, and you understand even a small aspect of what he's done for you. Act like it. Act like it. Determine that you're going to make every day count for him. Determine that you're going to seek how to grow. And let him have possession of your life, your mind, your heart. And you're going to live for his glory and not your own. See, life is never intended for us just to go through the motions. It was made for us to live life in its fullness. By the work of the Spirit of God within us. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, there's so much more to what Peter was saying by the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this these few verses. But God, what we need to know and what we need to understand and what we need to commit ourselves to is that we are children of the living God. We need to wake up every single morning and remind ourselves of who we are and of whose we are. We are children of God. We belong to you by the purchase of that precious blood Jesus Christ gave in our, for our salvation. God, you love us in ways beyond our comprehension. And out of that deep love that you've demonstrated to us in Christ, you've set us apart and you've called us your own. And, and you've said we're to be a people of God. We're to live in such a way that people know who we are, that they don't get confused when they meet us. Are you of the world or are you not of the world? Are you a person who is lost or are you a person who is saved? Do you know God as Lord and Savior or do you just know things about God? There's a difference, Father, in our lives because we've encountered Christ 
and he's come into our lives and he's brought salvation to us and he set us apart to be holy vessels unto you. Let us make up our minds. Help us make up our minds. That we want to be counted for you more than we want to be counted for the world. That we want to be different. We don't want to fit in. We want, don't want to just conform and be like everybody else and just get by. But we want to be exceptional. We want to be outstanding. We want to be supernatural. By the work of the Spirit of the living God. That we might make a difference in someone's life. That someone might come to know you. And move out of the darkness into the light. Move from death to life. Because they encountered you in us and through us as we sought to live out our faith. Father, these moments that we're about to enter in the invitation time are there's always special moments. Oftentimes we take them for granted. We've already set our minds on getting out of this building and on to other things. We're not even really listening or ready to be open to your spirit as you speak to us. But God, these invitation moments are so special because they're moments in which you personally are inviting us to respond to, to you in whatever way you've spoken to us in these last moments. Whether it was through the words of a prayer, through a song that was sung, through the message, whatever it may have been, just through the quiet spirit voice in our own heart. But you've been speaking to us. And now you draw us to you to call us to decision, to respond to what it is you're teaching us, asking of us, calling us toward. So we yield this moments of invitation to you, and we pray, Father, that your will would be done in each of our lives. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.